All right, all right. Yes, it's been too long. I'm back here with Tommy Sotomayor, and we are solving it all. Uh, we, we, we've got a list here, uh, race relations, the economy, uh, leftist extremity, everything is going to be done and dusted by the time we're through, which I think, Tommy, makes it a pretty bad thing that we haven't done this before, because we've really let these problems fester, but we could just be like dusting them up, man, just getting them done the way that they need to get done. And uh, so thanks a lot for uh, for taking the time. That you just came off another live stream, right? Yes, I did. And we were talking about the shooting of Richard Brooks. Yeah, that's uh, that's been around. Uh, that's been, we'll, we'll get into all of that. And we're going to take some questions uh, from the uh, audience as well. And um, if you can just, uh, I guess for the people who've joined both of well, my audience, at least since you and I last talked, uh, if you could just uh, give a, a wee intro and uh, tell people a little bit about your life, your channel, and where they can find you. Well, uh, my name is Tommy Sotomayor, and I've been doing YouTube since uh, about 2011, 2012. Uh, what I mostly talk about is men's rights issues, but of course, I talk a lot about social issues and dealing with the black community. I have a movie out called A Fatherless America. You can buy that at afatherlessamerica.com. You can also buy it on Amazon. Uh, you can find me on my website at TJSKOC or just look under Tommy Sotomayor and you'll be able to find me anywhere. I like to talk about men's rights issues and things that are facing America. And a lot of what we're seeing right now going on, I would still contribute to the fact that we don't have a lot of fathers walking around in a lot of these people's lives and they're looking for something. Yeah, I guess technically we do have a lot of fathers walking around. They're just not walking around particularly close to their own children. Uh, and uh, that is and that's new. I mean, it's it's bad in the white community. It's worse in the black community, but it's kind of new. Uh, for those who don't know, like uh, 40s, 50s, 60s, black community was pretty strong. Black families were pretty strong. White families were pretty strong. And now um, it's what uh, the great Jesse Lee Peterson has talked about, that sort of black community is like the canary in the coal mine. And if you think it's only going to happen to the black community, like family dissolution and, and, and the cratering of community and so on, man, just wait. You know, I mean, it's going to happen to the black community. Now it's spreading to the white community. Lord knows the East Asians are probably going to be the last domino to fall. But nonetheless, <laughs> that is uh, what's going on. And this is why I think the solidarity with the, against these kinds of forces is really important. Mm -hmm. No, it, it's a sad situation that we have right here. America in chaos. I don't know what it's looking like up there in Canada. I know you guys have some awesome shows. I've been watching, um, what is it, um, um, the mom show by um, Ivan Reitman's daughter. Um, she, she's, you got, you, I, I like Canadian humor. You guys got that on lock. Yes. Well, I think things are a little less dire up here in Canada, which is why we continue to be slightly funny, uh, a, a little tough to be funny in America at the moment. Um, it's, you know, cancel culture, a lot of hysteria. Yeah. And I, you know, should we, oh, let's just dive straight in. Okay. So this is sort of my feeling just over the last, uh, last couple of weeks, maybe a month or two, right? Which is that the media has just been blasting America with this sort of one-sided hysteria of, you know, cops just hunting down black guys, shooting them for fun, sport, and profit. And there's been this kind of line, you know, of like, yeah, we don't want the cops gunning people down. You know, we don't want police brutality. We get all of that. But I think that people were kind of like holding the line and pushing back and pushing back and pushing back on on some of these, um, you know, obviously they're not hoaxes. I mean, people were getting shot and so on, but just the nuance was kind of lost. The complexity was kind of lost. And it just became this like weird cartoon of like 
KKK guy guns down, you know, innocent black holding baby who was on his way to church after graduating from whatever, right? <laughs> and I feel like there was this line that was being held and we were kind of holding back this, well, what we're seeing over the last couple of weeks in the States, this blowover, this spillover, right? This mm-hmm. this breaking free of all restraint. We were all kind of holding back. And I sort of feel like over the last couple of weeks, uh, um, it just, the whole line broke. It's like, there's like, a couple of people, you, me, a couple other people standing there like, hey, what we all here trying to keep this from happening, kind of keep this from blowing up in our faces? Um, and w- what's your thoughts about, I don't know, do you think that's a reasonable way to look at it? And, and if so, what the hell happened? Here's what I saw. I saw the world dealing with COVID-19. And I saw the world being shut in. And I saw the world running into issues where they wanted to get out. And then I saw... One guy gets shot on the news, black guy, white cop, black girl, white cop. And I started to feel and I remember saying to people, they're pushing a race war. Mm. They're pushing this because it's funny. The Democrats here in the United States are okay with the rioters being out and the so-called protesters being out maskless and all. But literally the day prior to them doing it, they did not want America back open. They said it was dangerous that Donald Trump wanted America back open. People needed to stay separated. So which is it? Did people need to stay separated or does the fact that race it? I'm starting to feel that maybe racism kills COVID-19. No, no. See, I think I think what it is and not, not a lot of people understand the complexity of the medical situation here. When you're confused by the media, it creates this antiviral force shield around you. So when you've been baited into hating your fellow man by horrible media race baiting, it's you're bulletproof. You become like Superman. And then the moment that you attend a Trump rally or go to church or try to open your business or get a haircut or go to your father's funeral or try, that whole magic shield just completely evaporates. And then, man, COVID just comes at you like uh, – like a bunch of warriors in a CGI movie. It's crazy. All right, think about it. The, these leftists are the same people who are getting upset at celebrities for walking around without their mask or celebrities going to visit other of their family members. Uh, I know a few celebrities who got in trouble because they found out they were visiting their family members. Yet all of a sudden being out in the middle of the street and burning down stores and and tearing up Walmarts and Targets is fine because justice for one guy. And here's the thing that bothers me, Stephanie. More blacks during these rallies have been killed by blacks than the cop who killed the black guy that started it. Hmm. How's that possible that blacks during the rally, not even just in the cities, just during these places of rallying, more blacks have killed blacks during these events than the cops that led to these events? Oh, and places like Chicago, man. I mean, the lid is totally off the volcano as far as I can see. Mm-hmm. It's it's uh what was it uh I think last weekend it was thirty three people shot, um I think um eighteen of them died like it's it's insane, eighteen people dead but we want to march and rally for things that make no sense. The shooting I just showed today of Renard uh, Brooks, it, it was almost comedy. Maybe that's why so many people were watching because I don't know how I, I see something and I laugh for. It's a 43-minute video. For 42 minutes, this man was saying some of the most ridiculous stuff. He was quite drunk. But for the last 30 seconds to to 40 seconds, he then beats up the cop, reach and grabs their taser, 
and then shoots one of the cops with the taser. The cops didn't shoot him and they burned down the Wendy's and now they're rallying here again in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't go get crab legs downtown because it's closed. And so I'm upset. <laughs> I'm upset about this. But I'm just thinking like we here in Atlanta, we have our share of murders. We got a lot of murders. The black on black crime is really high. But no one marches for that. No one marches for the fact that these fathers aren't in their children's lives. No one marches for the fact that way more blacks die of lupus than cops, of high blood pressure than cops, of gout, all kinds of things than cops. But nobody cares about that. That concerns me as a black man, as a black father. See, this is, I think, what people outside and look I, i'm not going to sort of say as as i always try and push back on people saying you know would you blacks are not just like one thing whites are not just one thing it's a big complex ecosystem of, of you know good bad and, and people in the middle and so on but the level of sort of anger and rage i think for people i don't speak for whites but i think for, for whites to sort of look at that and say how like how much wrong would i have had to experience in order to be that angry about something and they say well my god there's got to be a lot of wrong here because there's no other way that they could be, people could be that angry about everything. And th I think that's one of the, the, the gaps that people have to try and, and bridge, that there is a lot of frustration and anger within certain sections of the black community. Um, and, and, you know, some of it has to do with institutions. Some of it has to do with uh, the war on drugs. I get all of that and bad education and so on. But the level of anger, I think, has been really quite shocking to people if if that makes sense and it's whether whether it's being generated or people are just kind of touching a third rail now is uh, i think being kind of lost lost in the mix but maybe you can sort of help people who um haven't really been exposed to this level of tension and anger because i know you've talked about it a lot in your show over the years um where do you think it's it's coming from it's stemming from number one black people are easily pliable when it comes to the democratic party if you notice the majority of the stuff that's happening, like when they show one of the um, one of the buildings getting burned down, it was actually a white guy who they came back and his wife came out and said it was a police officer. But he started it, the fire. But the black people were like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, if you see uh, Black Lives Matter, it's not a black man that started this, but they will follow that. It's somebody else that's pulling the strings. If you look at what's going on, a lot of the Democrats are telling them it's OK to do this, like what's going on in Seattle. It's OK to do this, like what went on in Baltimore. In Baltimore, the, the mayor in Baltimore, I don't know if you remember this, when there were riots in Baltimore, the mayor said we should step back and give them room to loot and destroy. The mayor said this. So when you got people that is encouraging bad behavior, because it makes no sense that a cop shot a black man in the wrong. So let's go loot the Gucci store. I don't understand how that's changing. And here's the big point that a lot of people aren't pointing out. I think that they're not only ramping up a race war, but they're pulling this rubber band called white people. And they're pulling it until it snaps. Because if you're white and you have a store and you hear celebrities like T.I. and Killer Mike say, well, it's okay to rob those white stores, just not ours. If you're white, what do you say? If you're white and you're sitting in your cars, I've seen some of those uh, videos showing a white man in the car with his family and people on the middle of the expressway bust his windows and yell at him in front of his family. Eventually, you're going to get tired of this. 
And that's what's going to happen. It's going to snap because this group of people can only allow themselves to that white people have been flogging themselves for a while. White guilt is horrible. I hate white guilt. I hate watching white people tell me I know what you're going through. You don't know what the fuck I'm going through. Excuse my friend. You don't know what I'm going through, and I don't know what you're going through. So why don't we talk to each other like humans and listen to each other like humans? Not every black person lives the same existence. Not every white person lives the same existence. Someone called my show and said, white people are rich. I said, do you know there are more poor whites in the United States than poor black? But black people think whites are rich. There's a lot of misconceptions of people who never meet each other. So now you got white people afraid to speak right now in the United States. If you are white and you say one thing that is misconstrued as racist and this racism is this huge cloud that no one racism is like porn now. It's like, I don't know what's racist, but I know it if I see it. <laughs> whatever, the person, whatever a person called racist, you got to apologize for it. And you have white people losing their businesses, losing their families, losing everything because of a word they said. Yet, Stephan, I can get on your show and say crack of this, anything I say about white people and have no problem walking in the store. Sorry, and still I'm just going to need to problem. fan myself a little here because I heard the C word. <laughs> I know. That's it. I'm out. I'm out. Steph's out. I need my smelling salts. But I can say whatever I want about white people, and celebrities have been doing it and doing it and doing it. Now, there's a third rail you can't say anything about, and there's a group of white people you can't speak on. For some odd reason, that white group is protected because it's anti-Semitic. But regular white people, I can say whatever I want to about white people, and especially a white heterosexual male everyone can give it to you you just got to take it and got to say thank you sir may i have another this is what we need to watch out for well i mean that's the question of black privilege which i know for a lot of people it's like this big short circuit but um in in general like in any conflict between a white and a black it is the black who is almost always considered to be in the right and the white person who must sort of back down and apologize and so on that's not good. That's like an abusive relationship. That's like some woman being in a relationship with some guy who's like, you better back down and apologize or you're getting a knuckle sandwich or something. And it's like, that's not healthy. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. blacks aren't always right. Whites aren't always wrong. And and this inability to just sit there and say, yeah, you know, we got some disagreements. Maybe let, let's talk about them. And it's like, no, you can't. Because anytime there's any conflict, a white person, you know, got to just slink off camera and, and, and hope to keep their paycheck. And that's not healthy at all. I mean, that that gives white people, as you say, this like pull, right? And then it gives this arrogance and it's like, oh man, that's that sucks. <laughs> it's really not a healthy mm-hmm. conversation. Yeah. Anybody's going to get tired of constantly being told, like you said, in a relationship, it's always your fault. And I've seen it to where as long as white people say it's my fault and send money, things are great. But if they join the conversations, like on my show, I've had black people say, well, it's fine to have this conversation, but you're having it in front of white people. I was like, wait a minute, there's a black YouTube and these white people snuck over here? <laughs> like, well, I don't understand this. It would, they're black conversations that only black people can have. But as long as white people can come over and say, yes, you're right, or here's some money, then the discussion goes well. By the way, you can hit that cash app now. But at the point, <laughs> as long as white people say, here's some money and things are okay, we'll let them in on the discussion. But if they even ask any question about why this is going, why this is happening, why are you doing this? Well, that's racist. Why would you ask me why am I burning down this store? And you know what's really funny is right after they burned down the CVS, 
they're going to complain that the neighborhood has no CVS. It's a food desert, man. I got to go so far to get groceries yep. after we burned down the local grocery stores. And now that is, yeah, that, that, is, that is really, really heartbreaking. And I, I hate using this racist word as a whole because it's kind of just invented by communists to destroy America. But to me, it's really so disgustingly dis- disrespectful to the black community, as it would be to any community, to say nothing is your fault. Nothing is your responsibility. It's all around you. It's everyone else's decisions. It's structural this. It's institutionalized that. And you have, you're just leaves in the wind. You're like, like fluff in the wind. And, and you can't make better decisions. Like that to me is so dehumanizing that, mm-hmm. I mean, if somebody came to me and said, you know, when I was a kid, like I grew up pretty poor, very poor, a single mom household, as you know, if people had mm-hmm. come to me and said, hey, man, there's nothing you can do about it because there's all this institutionalized stuff and you can't do any better and, and you're stuck down there and you've just got to accept handouts. And like, I would be like, I would view that person like they were trying to take my spine away and put me in a wheelchair or something. It's like, for God's sakes, don't, get, don't take my moral responsibility and free will because if you take that, I can't get better at all. You know where that works, though? Once you get a community where you've removed the figure who typically wants to do better each generation, that's called a man. If you remove that figure, well, in all societies, guess which group of people likes to take the uh, to have things given to them? The females. Well, now these females are raising these boys. So these boys are used to seeing someone being given something instead of them work for it. So that's why you have a lot of entitlement in the black community. But it's not entitlement through what we've done as far as we work for it. We deserve it. It's we're black. We deserve it. Hmm. And that offends me because like you said, I can look at myself and T.I. and several other uh, these so-called rappers who said they came from the bottom and they made it like one of the biggest uh, pro blacks out there lives around nothing but white people <laughs> in L.A. And his name is Tyreek Nasheed. It's hilarious. Tyreek Nasheed hates white people, but lives around nothing but white people. All these celebrity leftists who are telling you how great black people are won't move their homes around all black neighborhoods. I don't understand that. There's a thing called white flight, but you've never heard of black flight. Well, you- sorry, sorry to interrupt you, man, but it's kind of funny, right? Do, do you know where Barack Obama bought his house? Didn't he buy it on the, the, the like a couple of blocks away from the the bad neighborhood in Chicago, but he lives in the good neighborhood in Chicago. No, where- it's a new one. It's a new one. I think, I, if I remember rightly, it's off the top of my head. It's like ten or fifteen million dollar house, Martha's Vineyard. Oh yes, the new one. The You're new right. one, Martha's Vineyard. I gotta tell you, I don't think it's a pretty brothers. It's not much of a brother centric neighborhood. I mean, Martha's Vineyard. For this is where they shot Jaws. For God's sakes, this is not. Uh, and it's like, okay, so he's made it. Okay. Where's the whitest place I could possibly move so I can continue the revolution and help out my brothers? And it's like, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Let's carry it a little deeper. You don't remember Michelle Obama when she gave the speech, excoriating white people, saying when she was young, there were things in stores and the, the area was good. And then the white people left and, and took it. And if they had stayed, that her neighborhood would have been better. Well, ma'am, you didn't stay in the neighborhood. You left your own neighborhood. And as you said, you guys live in Martha's Vineyard, but you're still down for the people. I don't trust anybody that says these black people are great people. I just don't want to live around. them. 
<laughs> well, <clears throat> Michelle Obama said to me one of the most dangerous things lately. Uh, she said, never let anyone tell you you're too angry. And it's like, really, there's not going to be any ceiling to the level of rage that people are allowed? There's no top to this? There's no, like, if you're dismembering people because you hate their... Can, can someone tell you if you're burning down a neighborhood and killing? Can someone tell you that you're too angry? Is that within the realm of human possibility? And it's like, surely, that I mean, I get too angry. You get too angry. Every human being got to find that middle road between folding and raging. I'm going to have to disagree with you. I'm sorry, Tommy, I'm getting too angry. Are you? (laughs) No, no, I'm I'm, going to have to disagree with you. She's right. I think she's speaking right there. She's right. You heard it from a black woman. So there's no such thing as a too angry black woman. There's there's a such thing as not angry enough. Now, you can see a black woman be like, she's not angry enough. In the black community, we make fun of a black woman that's not angry. So she's right. When it comes to black women, there is no ceiling on anger. That thing can just... But 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 shouldn't there be? We should, but I okay. talking black, but there's no logic here, man. Okay. No, I just get killed. You better quit playing. At at a time when America's half on fire, I think saying you can never be too angry, it's like you can never commit too much arson. You know, it's like, come on, some somewhere we gotta have some middle ground here because nope. just taking the total ceiling off is crazy. Ground. You know, there's it's no funny. Sorry, go ahead. Ground. Everybody wants to destroy stuff. Everybody wants to, everybody wants to, we live in this Me Too movement moment where every woman had to admit that somebody did something to them. It's, I'm trying to, to out whatever. I, you got raped by three men at Penn State. Well, I got raped by four of them. It's like everyone's trying to outdo everyone. And, and my pain is worse than your pain. My anger is, is, is I'm more upset. And, and like, I hate seeing white people be just more upset at racism than the next one. Well, uh, I hate my grandfather. Well, I hate my great, great grandfather. Well, I hate, I'm going to peel my skin off. Like everybody's trying to outdo each other instead of actually having the conversation and find a common ground. It really is a kind of collective madness. And I was tweeting about this today. Like, we look back at the past, right? And we say, oh, man, I can't believe the crazy shit they did in the past, man. I, like, I can't believe what people used to believe. I can't believe that they used to, oh, slavery was a thing and women had no rights. And, and, mm-hmm. and you know, people were bought and sold with the land in, in Europe and in as serfs and so on. And we look back and we never think for a moment that there's going to be a future time where people look back at us. And they're going to say, holy crap, did these guys ever go nuts? Like, what a weird, like, in the Middle Ages in Europe, people were so stressed and hungry and diseased. And, and like, there was this thing called St. Vitus Dance. And people would just start dancing and dancing and dancing literally until they died. It was like a weird mania that just kind of struck people. And we look at, like, the satanic panic of the 90s. And we look at these, like, the witch trials of Salem and so on. We say, man, people can get some pretty crazy shit in their heads, right? And yet we never think that we ever could be part of that same kind of crazy hysteria where nothing is ever enough and and we're destroying people's lives for perceived slights that we can't even really define. And, you know, we all, gosh, lynching is so terrible, man. We we just, we can't have any of that extrajudicial attacks on people and just assuming guilt before proof and all that. And it's like, yeah, okay, enough of that. Let's just go do it. It's like, that's just how we've come and and there's no sense of humility in the face of history that we're not perfect we've got still a lot of stuff to learn we've still got a lot of stuff to figure out but everybody's got this moral purity thing like they're just immune from error and whatever they say is just perfectly right and that gives them the right to do whatever the hell they want 
Yeah, those people are called women. Uh, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but if we could get no, back to women, Tommy, that would be great. Exactly. But it was it's funny. I thought of something the other day. You were talking about lynching. And I grew up uh, in the uh, 90s, and they had this group by Ice Cube called the Lynch Mob. And I thought about it. I said, well, that's kind of messed up. Like I've never seen in my 44 years of living a Jewish group called the Oven Dwellers. I've never seen this. But so you think of the lot of the things that blacks do. We do things that are counterproductive to what we're even asking other people to do. Like if you had this unified group of people who valued life, then it would make sense that they were outraged that people are being shot and killed. But you have a unified group of people who like to refer to themselves as savages and thugs. So if you're going to call yourself a savage and a thug, why would you be bothered by people viewing you as a savage and a thug? That I don't understand. Well, I'm sure the audience will have an answer in a minute or two. Going back to something you said earlier, Tommy. So you were talking about how, you know, like women um, want, you know, kind of want free stuff and they're kind of used to consuming stuff and so on. I got to tell you a little story here. So when I was in my early to mid-teens, um, there were a lot of bills, right, as there always are when you're raising kids, right? A lot of bills. And mm-hmm. my mom used to take me out to this grungy little restaurant in a dumb, the, the mall near our house. And we'd order, like, some crappy food. And she'd, she'd pull out this pad of paper, right? And it would be, like, the list. And she would sort of add up all the bills and so on, right? And she'd be like, well, this is what we're going after your dad for. Right? She's going to have the list of everything. All the medicine, all the this, everything that's needed, you know, the, the back bills and all that. And she would be like, this is what we're going to go after your dad for, right? And I remember being foolish and young and not really understanding this aspect of female nature. I remember saying to her, Mom... Maybe you could ask for a raise. Mm. You know, maybe you could put in some overtime. You know, like I'm 14. I can hang out at home on my own now. Like maybe you. No, I have a list. And it's like, oh, that that aspect of now the list is one thing when it's, you know, my dad was in, in Africa. So he was a little tough to get with the long arm of the law. It doesn't really shoot like Batman grappling hook style across the oceans that way. But uh, it's like. It's another thing if it's the government, man. Man, if it's just like hold your breath, stomp your feet until the government gives you stuff, that is pretty brutal. And I just – that's, I think, an aspect of a sort of female nature. And again, not, to put, not women aren't on one big blob either. There's lots of exceptions, but you can still make some generalities. This idea yes. is like I need stuff and someone needs to provide it. And I, you know, to say that I should go and earn it myself is kind of like an insult. He owes us, you know, like for me to say to my mom, maybe you should work harder or maybe you should go for a, a raise or maybe you should get a better job or maybe you should take some night school. If that was like an offense. That was an affront to her. Like, no, vagina money. <laughs> you know, like I, I have vagina. I has vagina and therefore, right? And that is a, a kind of mindset that, as you say, I think pervades a lot of the single mother households, which are clustered to some degree in the black community. This idea of like, well, I need stuff. Well, who's going to give it to me? Yep. And then if you put that to the boys, like I still remember the news story I did where the black kid got shot. He was like 19 years old. He got shot exiting uh, or entering a woman's trailer uh, or apartment. I think it may have been a house. I can't, it's, it's something, it was a small place, but he was entering her room to rob it and she shot him. And they had the family interview. And it's one of the most sad things 
that I've seen because the girl said, his sister said, she didn't have to shoot him. He was just trying to get fresh for college. Those are her exact words as the direct quote that he was trying to get some nice clothes. That's the only reason why he was robbing her. So she should have let it happen. Yeah. I that thought right there that you would not only think it, because we think some crazy stuff. If you got into my head, you might see some horse porn. <laughs> but you get out, you won't see it. But, in, but in, in my head, I think some crazy stuff. But it's sad that someone would actually let that go down and exit their mouth and then do like this, like it's a drop mic moment. Like I just said the greatest thing in the world. Like when T.I. got in front of the whole world and said, Atlanta with Conda, it must be protected at all costs. And then walked off the stage. Right. Well, yeah, because I mean, how are you supposed to know what the intentions is of the guy coming into your room? Right. I mean, <laughs> you, you, you can't. Oh, you know, if you could mind read, then you'd know all of this kind of stuff. So let's let's turn to the, the two recent shootings right i don't know which one you want to do first whether rayshard brooks or 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 george floyd what's your should we flip a coin what what should we go with first yeah you throw it out there and i'll jump on it okay so i gotta tell you man when i first saw that george floyd stuff i'm like oh man this it's it's like one of these weird twists in a story where you sit there and say there's just no way that this could be anything other than what i'm seeing you know like some poor guy the poor black guy uh, you know, with the officer on 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 his neck, you know, dying and and you know being choked out by this, and and the guy not kind of smirking, but just sitting there looking relatively calm into the camera. But you know, maybe it's just an age thing. You just made me feel real young by referring to yourself as forty four. I'm just going to take a moment for myself. Uh, but uh, but having been around the block a couple of times, you know that there's twists in these stories, right? That there's real twists, and you gotta wait for the facts to come in and. Lo and behold, what looks like just about the worst thing that you could imagine a police officer to do is like, you know, based upon the stuff I've been reading, it's like he had reason. He had cause. Now, this doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's just. It doesn't mean that the jury might not find him guilty and that might be a reasonable verdict. But, he, you know, I mean, the fact that George Floyd was complaining of shortness of breath beforehand, the fact that he was tossing out drugs, the fact that uh, he was uh, had a wet counterfeit bill. Which, you know, come on. I mean, counterfeit is one thing. A wet counterfeit bill. I mean, you just come from the photocopier or something. The fact that the clerk said to him, oh, just give the cigarettes back, man. You can just go. But he wouldn't do it. The fact that uh, uh, he did violently resist arrest. The fact that his heart seemed to be hanging by a thread. The fact that this was in the oh, middle of a pandemic. That. Sorry? You're telling me stuff I didn't know. I didn't know that they actually did find the fake bill on him. I didn't know that he was given an opportunity to um, leave. Uh, with with no incident, yeah. Because I that's usually what they do whenever there's a fake bill presented. Because sometimes you can just, you know, be like me and have a thousand dollars of fake bills, but it's accident. Yep. But, but no, <laughs> but you, you, you know, just you know, it's just what you found in the in your underwear after you danced at the club. You know, you don't know. Yeah. You don't you don't check it. You don't have a counterfeit detection machine down there with your groin. You just you know you take the bills. You could pass yeah. it completely innocently. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that 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 actually changes a lot with me when you say that they gave him the opportunity not to do it and he still did it. Yeah, so they went out. So he went out to his car, right? So they they the, the clerk said like he's high, he's like he shouldn't be driving. They went out to his car and they said, look, just give the cigarettes back and and we'll call it a day. He wouldn't he wouldn't do it. And, uh, and and but the guy was resisting arrest. I mean, you can see the car rocking back and forth and so on. And you know his heart arteries were like 
you know, like me after Indian dinner. It's like, you know, they were really, really bunged up, right? I mean, you got 90% blockage, 70% blockage, and, you know, hypertension, heart disease, and all kinds of crazy stuff going on there. And this excited delirium, you know, these these horrors are all just godforsaken opportunities to find out stuff that you really never wanted to learn. Like this excited delirium state that they talked about, the officers were talking about, George Floyd going through this excited delirium state, which is where somebody under arrest, it's been known since like the mid-19th century, somebody under arrest, man, they, they can just crash. Like something, like their whole system just goes into some weird overdrive and uh, they really don't, it's like crib death. They don't even really know what the cause is. And uh, the only thing that they can do and what they're trained to do is get the guy into a prone position and keep him there until the, um, uh, the ambulance arrived. And so that's kind of was the situation. Now, again, I don't know because I'm just jumping in here like some outside guy done some research. So maybe all of this is really bad and and he's going to go to jail and I'll be like sitting there saying good job on the jury or whatever. But it's just really kind of complicated. And the fact that they didn't go for a grand jury and they just kind of indicted him, which is only supposed to happen if you plead guilty, which you ain't done. I don't know, man. There's there's something uh, that is not right and the idea that you know you're going to commit a crime while wearing a body cam in full view of everyone while being filmed anyway sorry go on i've said a lot so you know give me your give me your thoughts i will say this i am not comfortable with the rush to judgment that we the the system that we're in now it's like if you don't arrest them we're going to burn things down that's where we are now if you don't do what we want to do we're in mob rule if you don't say what we want you to say we're going to burn things down we're going to steal stuff but i have to say all those factors included, it's hard for me to get past what the officer did by sitting there that long because it was unnecessary. He's already on his stomach and you got other people that are already on his back. There, there should be something. I, I think there needs to be an understanding of maybe we have the wrong people being called at the wrong time. Maybe these people aren't supposed to be there. Maybe we need to have a drug team that knows how to deal with people who are high. Because once you put your neck knee on a guy's neck and you just sit there that long to the point where he's not moving and you're still doing it, I, I think all rationale, all logical, and people know I'm kind of usually on the cop side. All rational people right there should agree okay, the cops should have shown some compassion during the arrest at that point. Okay, that certainly could be the case, and nobody likes this whole situation as a whole. But my pushback on that, Tommy, is if he was crashing, right? I mean, if his fentanyl, the meth, the cannabinoids, and his heart disease, and the hypertension, plus the massive struggle that he went through with the cops, if this just, like, he was just crashing— then my question is, well, okay, so let's say that Chauvin had gotten off his neck, right? Okay, would that have really affected the outcome? Because, well, I mean, we there's no... Sorry, go ahead. We will never know, and that's a problem. Don't contribute. Don't contribute. If you have a... There's some, sometimes we got to say, well, I can't do something to someone and then say, well, it might have happened anyway. I mean, if a, if a woman was on meth and I slapped her up, and she fainted and died, I guarantee you nobody would say, well, I mean, she was on meth. So, I mean, what would have happened? I mean, maybe she would have died anyway had he not punched her in the face. But Nobody's going to say this. So I, once we yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Point, well, once we, and I'll finish it. Once we get to a certain point, there is no need for this. This man is surrounded by one guy keeping people away and three other people on his legs. 
sometimes we got to say this makes no sense. And again, I've been on the cops on every other situation, including the one uh, that we're going to talk about next. Problem is this one I can't because there's no reason to do that. And as a matter of fact, had this been done to a woman, nobody would have asked what she did to cause it. It would have been this is too much force. Well, okay, and and so then then it's the question of the player versus the game, and I don't mean to trivialize it this way, but mm-hmm. the Minnesota police say you can use the neck restraint on somebody who's resisted arrest, right? There's two kinds of resisting. There's passive, like you just go rubber bones, and then there's active, like you're fighting back. So he, the, the officer is permitted to use a neck restraint, neon neck restraint, if there is a resisting of arrest. It's been used, I think, well over 200 times over the past couple of years in Minnesota, no fatalities. So if, because the question is, is it the cop or is it the rule that he's taught, right? So if he's trained in this procedure, and he's an 18-year veteran, so I assume that he is, right? If he's trained in this procedure, and if they say, look, if if the guy's resisting, you can use the the knee. And um, if he's going through excited delirium, if his whole system is crashing, then you've got to keep him prone until the EMT arrives. Then just becomes tough. And then you might say, and I think it would be a reasonable question to ask, like, what the hell is with these stupid ass rules that just make no sense and get people killed? Okay, that's that's mm-hmm. a whole other discussion. But if the guy's following procedure, uh, you know, it just becomes complicated. And yeah, was it too long? Absolutely. But do prisoners sometimes play possum? Yeah, they do, right? They pretend that's that they faded out. And then they, as soon as you re- ease up the pressure, they'll just rear up and they didn't know this guy was having a cardiac arrest. But here's the thing. He's always already in cuffs. Even if he gets away from you, how far can he run? He's in cuffs. He can't move his arms. And me as a runner, I know I usually get a little more speed if I can move my arms and lean forward. Right, right. One. But number two, you said this has been tried and true and nothing's gone wrong in a long time. Well, let me throw a name out to you. David Carradine. David Carradine for years. Kung Fu guy? Yeah. David Carradine (laughs) for years. They've been choking himself and pleasuring himself. Never went wrong. Wait, did he do this like? Whack yep. off with a with a news thing like full yep. on. It only took one. Yeah, it only took one. Well, Tommy, uh, if there's ever a guy I know to come to for research about this stuff, it's you. <laughs> so I will let you unpack the entire David Carradine story for me because uh, uh, you know you're the you're the guy, man. You're you're the person to come to. So what's the story with this guy? <laughs> well, David Carradine enjoyed a little choke action on himself. As he pleasured himself. He enjoyed this for years and, and did it with a nice Keontae and some Farber beans. <laughs> <laughs> and then he had no problem with it for years. And then one day he slipped. That's all it took. So what I'm saying is if you're going to use some measure like that when you're putting something on somebody's neck, even if it never went wrong, if you write that down and you give somebody else that, they would read it and say, well, that doesn't sound like a good thing to do. And that's what I'm saying. Watching that, that doesn't sound like a good thing to do. There is no reason that a handcuffed man should have this done to him. And if you look up the story of Tony Temper, it was a white guy. The same thing happened to him, except we didn't burn anything down. But Mm. the same thing happened to him, and they did that to him, and he was on drugs, and he called the police on himself because he knew he, uh, he, he had fallen off the wagon, and he wanted help. He called the police. The police came, and they killed him. Same thing. They stayed on him until he stopped moving. Then they laughed at him. And the EMT got there 
and the EMT was so mad at him. They were like, is he, is he asleep? And the EMT snaps his glove off his hand. He's like, he's, he's dead, you idiot. Like, y'all killed him. And that was the EMT's thought. You killed this man. And that's where we got to stop. But what with did he lot. die of? Do you know? Well, they were saying that it was because he was high. And as a matter of fact, the mom said they lied to, to, to her. because they. And again, when you say people wouldn't do this with cameras, no, I realize that people will do stupid stuff with cameras. Uh, I, and it's funny. I had that same discussion with you, um, with, me, with my audience. Today on the show, I said, these police cameras and body cameras and, and people filming around has exposed both sides. Hmm. It's exposed cops for being dirty in a lot of situations. But it's also shown that a lot of these citizens, namely um, the ones that look like me, are really dumb. And it doesn't matter that the camera's there because before the cameras, I would have never thought somebody would hit a cop when they had no gun and the cop did have a gun. Now you have cameras. You see people are actually doing stupid crap. So these cops have been caught doing stupid crap as well. Many of these cops, there was one cop that actually has a body cam on himself filming himself uh, um, soliciting uh, sex from a woman to get out of a ticket. Filmed himself doing it. So dumb people are dumb. That camera doesn't stop us from being dumb. <laughs> Hell, if you look in my cell phone, you'll see all kind of stuff I shouldn't have recorded. But because they got a camera <laughs> on it, I did. I hear you, man. I hear you. Um, now, but of course, with George Floyd, the the coroner, now the coroner hired by the family also kind of confirmed this, right? But mm-hmm. according to the coroner, no evidence of, asphyxi- of asphyxiation or strangulation, right? So he wasn't out of air and he wasn't out of blood when he died. And it's like cardiac arrest. Now, they say mm-hmm. that it was involved with his arrest, which, of course, right? I mean, it wasn't like he was – like your point, like you, you punched the woman and she died. It wasn't like he was – that was just his day and the cops just happened to be there. I get that it was based upon – the arrest, and that's why it would be real actually nice if Ellison had just decided to release the actual officer cam. He would actually kind of be helpful because we don't know what the hell happened. Why did the first officer there um, pull the gun? Uh, pull his gun out when he started talking to George Floyd. What What did George Floyd say? Did he say I've got coronavirus, which he did? Did he say I'm going to spit on you? I'm going to bite you? What? Like who knows what the hell happened to the point where they're sitting there saying, you know, we can't let this guy up at all because if his breath, so to speak, is a deadly weapon because he's got COVID, um, that's a whole Tase other. Him. Sorry, tase him. Is that bad? Tase him. If he's that much of a problem. Tase him. There, you have a taser for a reason. Tase him. Mm. Sitting on him like that, there is no reason. I understand that a lot of people see it different ways. My only problem is people are trying to find reasons. A lot of people are trying to find reasons to say the cops did nothing wrong. In this case, there is no reason for the cops to have done what they did. That make you can you can make a case for. Hey, the guy could call about the $20 or $10 or what it was. Hey, they uh, were fighting with him and, and what, but I've seen the cops. I saw, I saw a white man fight with two cops and beat the crap out of them. Not one time that they get on top of him and put their knee on him. He was a swole white guy. Hmm. They just fought with him. They didn't even shoot him. They kept fighting with him until they got him down and put the cuffs on him and tired and, t- and tired him out. So that's what they did with him. They tired him out. They didn't put their knee on his neck. And I'm sure many of your audience saw this video because it was hilarious. This big white guy was beating the shit out of the cops. 
beating the crap out of the cops. And as he beat the crap out of the cops, they just kept on fighting with him. Then it went outside of the restaurant, but he didn't get shot. So I got to then ask, this didn't even seem like it was close to that because if he was such a um, unruly person, there would have been no reason. And I got to point this out to you. He would have never gotten in the cuffs in the in the, cu- in the cuffs in the first place. Hmm. He would have never been sitting on the on the curb as we saw him where he wasn't fighting in the first place. I'm sorry, something's not right about this story. What do you think the taser would have done to a guy having a heart attack? Well, I'm saying if you tased him before and if he had a heart attack doing that, then you can at least explain that by using this. We're not on top of him, and then the man saying he can't breathe, he's not urinating himself. Like at that point, maybe you could have gotten off of him. When he started urinating himself, I don't know, but I just assume if you have four people around the guy plus one, they had a plus one and a car and a car. Even if he gets up, what can he do? Your job is to bring them to justice. Your job is to play John Ruth, the hangman. You bring him to justice so the hangman can do his job. That's a Quentin Tarantino reference. Bring the man in. I mean, John Ruth died doing it, but you signed up for that. Right. And you got, uh, it's funny. You have someone in your audience that said Tommy's defending his own. Obvious. This is the one time in which I've been on the side of the cop. That's what. So it's on both sides. It's not just blacks. That's what bothers me a lot about people in my audience. I'll watch and it'll be white people who've watched me say the same thing over and over again. I see this one thing, because if you come to someone for the truth, why would you get mad when they give you the truth? And then you I, and then you jump on the race side when they don't agree with you if, if both sides are really trying to do away with race then let's just talk facts uh stefan and i are talking facts he has he sees the facts one way i see it the other we're not seeing it color we're seeing it by the way that we believe and for someone to sit there and say a guy who's known around these parts as a coon is now all of a sudden protecting his own that bothers me about some audience members and people who follow a lot of people because they want you to parrot what they think. And when you don't, you become the enemy, the left and the right. Amen to that. And just for those who are listening on audio, when they're talking about the person being referenced as a coon, um, he's not talking about me. He's talking about himself. Just, you know, <laughs> just for those who are listening, can't see the video, just wanted to point that out. And listen, that's that's all could be exactly true. Like your perspective could be exactly true and they were kneeling on the guy too long and it was really bad. Okay, but that's a whole different situation from they just straight up murdered a guy, right? Like maybe he had this heart attack. They didn't deal with him soon enough. Maybe they should have got off him sooner and so on. That's that, But that's all really complicated stuff and that's what a court of law is for. And, and you're right. You know, you and I aren't adjudicating this thing and there's going to be a lot of information that comes out over time and and maybe the information will go the way that you see it and in which case you and i will be brothers and seeing it the same way because i'll follow the facts wherever they go just as you will maybe they'll go more towards the way that i see at the moment in which case we'll meet uh, there but here's the thing let's not burn down cities and say this is straight up murder when we have a difficult and complicated situation it's complicated by the drugs it's complicated by the resist it could be complicated by racism absolutely it could be complicated by the training that these guys have received you know the guy who approved the neck hold or the the neck uh, the knee to neck restraint happens to be black the police chief who approved Mm -hmm. that right so we we don't know that's the that's why we have a law system that's why we're supposed to have innocent until proven guilty and yeah so you and i we're debating sort of fine points here and you know we we, you know it's really really important that we have this debate but if it's just like 
hey man, it's straight up racist murder of a black guy. And if you disagree, you're in the KKK. It's like, hmm. That's not yep. really much of a conversation now, is it? I mean, this back and forth is really good. Sides. Yeah, we got to stop both sides. And uh, you, you got to stop the other side from saying, well, the only reason you agree is because the guy's black. Or the only reason why you agree is because uh, you're a leftist. Why don't we follow, like you said, follow the facts. I am one of the first people who said, you won't catch me out there riding and doing stupid stuff like that. This is wrong. I'm one of the first people who have no problem when Donald Trump is saying he's going to send in the troops in Seattle. I have no problem with it because you shouldn't be able to take over a whole city. You shouldn't be able to hold these businesses and shops and and, and things at ransom uh, for, for ransom and hold them hostage simply because something happened that happens to a whole lot of people in the United States, namely white people who get murdered by the cops or killed by the cops or die in custody with the cops. Not saying these things are right, but what we need to do is start talking about the system and how America is policed. And you need to carry it from both sides. There needs to be respect from the police and respect from the populace. But we're not teaching that. And right now, do you know what they're teaching? That the cops almost cannot do their jobs at all now. Mm. The same people. I don't know if you saw what happened in St. Louis. Uh, a retired black uh, officer uh, who's a chief of police. Uh, I think his last name was Dorn. Yeah, he was Dorn. shot. Yeah, he was shot. The people were yelling and screaming prior to this, get rid of the police. While he was laying on the ground, not one black person tried to give him mouth to mouth. Not one black person tried to even comfort him. Just they hold just his said, hand, oh. man. He's going into the yeah. great beyond. Give the brother a hug. Well, it was, it, and, and it was all over some TVs, cuz. Some TVs, cuz. That's all it was over, some TVs, cuz. Well, that man was yelling TV's cuz for 15 to 20 minutes, but he did nothing to help the man, didn't even call 911. But it was funny when some girl came over, she said, call the police. And I said, mm, you mean call those people you just said defund? It's ironic. Well, this is the thing, too. I mean, that the whole question. So you and I, we talked about this before, like. I want to see the family stronger. I want to see there less beating of kids. I want to see there to be like more dads around. If we get that sorted out, then the level of crime is going to drop to the point where we're just going to think we live in paradise, right? And and so for me, this whole question of like right now, we're dealing with some pretty dangerous elements within society, black, white, you name it, right? Dangerous elements within society, people who are raised without respect for rules, people who are raised without empathy, people who are raised without fathers, without fathers. Fathers are the ones, particularly with boys, who teach you how to temper your anger. Women cannot do that. Women cannot teach men how to temper their anger. My God, we were just talking about this with Michelle Obama. You can never be too angry. Yes, you can be too angry. And and it's really important that we remember that. And so right now we're kind of dealing with this big wave of of crime. And if we say to the cops, oh, well, you can't do this. Oh, well, you can't do that. Oh, well, you got to do this. And you gotta, if we put too many rules on them, there's a sweet spot. Obviously, we're trying to find it here. If it's too far, then the cops get too brutal and too dehumanized and do too much brutality. If it's too little, then the criminals run rampant through neighborhoods. The cops are paralyzed and you get the Ferguson effect and we get many more bodies. So it's not an easy answer. And everybody's just saying, oh, well, you know, the cops should just arrest whoever they want and do whatever they want. And other people are like, well, let's just defund the cops. And it's like, well, we got a big problem because the family got so screwed up after the 1960s. So we got a big problem with a very aggressive section of population, irrespective of race. 
And now we've got a problem that if the cops are paralyzed, they're going to run over those communities and people are going to get killed and it's going to be a bloodbath. And if they're, if they're too much, then there's too much police brutality, which is dehumanizing and brutal and people are going to get killed that way. Because we screwed up the family so much, we got to find a sweet spot until we can start to fix the family. And that sweet spot is really complicated. And I just, you know, it's just a shame that we can't have these kinds of nuanced discussions, but it's all just like, well, defund the cops or stand up for the cats in blue no matter what. And it's like, come on. I mean, this mm-hmm. it's a complicated thing we're trying to deal with here. Yep. And, and each police department is different. Each city polices their people different. I think one of the things that can, could help these cities is that they have more police who are from those cities or who reside in those towns or wherever they police. Number two, we need to have more uh, citizen involvement. We can't have police trying to police areas where the areas say no snitching. Mm. So if the people are saying no snitching, if they're raising their kids up and saying F the police. But we also have to make sure that we run it. We look out for like out in L.A. They've had it like four or five times. One of the most corrupt police uh, systems out there where you have they have a gang. You look it up. Vikings. They had a cop gang. They all had tattoos and everything. And they were, yes, look them up. If people don't know about that, they were called the Vikings. They were um, akin to just a bunch of white cops who were racist, who had like a group. And they all had tattoos. And they would go out and perform some of the craziest stuff. You go look, uh, it happened in a city here called uh, Oak Cliff. The cops were murdering hookers and throwing them out in the streets. So they're a bunch of bad cops. They're a bunch of good cops. They're a bunch of bad citizens. They're a bunch of good citizens. And what we need to start doing is as cops, more cops need to turn in bad cops and more citizens need to turn in bad citizens. If everyone did their job on a micro, we'd have more success on a macro. And we got to be able to fire cops and we got to be able to fire teachers. Um, Cop unions and teachers unions, those unions are way too hard to break. Yeah. When you can catch a teacher in bed with a, a student and still say, we're going to put it in front of the board and we're going to give them a pay. Like, wait a minute. We got it. We got them on Instagram. Like it is sometimes you should be able to circumvent this. You are 1000 percent correct. Well, because, I mean, we hear all about the Catholic Church and pedophilia and so on. But, man, you are much more likely to be sexually assaulted in a government school than you ever are in a church and the amount of sexual predation that goes on in government schools is like just jaw dropping and just go go look it up people i mean it absolutely is staggering just how much sexual predation is and in new york they got these things called rubber rooms where the people who've even like really been down the road of convictions and stuff like that they're still you know well we're we're waiting on it and you can still get paid and you can go play some candy crush in this room and and you you know we can't even you can't even fire people who've who've really gone down the road this way and that's just so horrendous i mean talk about running a system for the adults that's supposed to be designed for the kids i mean it's really really horrendous and you know why we don't care about it right i'm gonna go back to that place where my my sweet spot <laughs> women as long as women are doing it to guys you got and and i had to say it on my show all the time hold on Stop saying, I wish my teacher had did that to me. Many guys will tell you it might have been fun and you did get your friends telling you good job. You lost your virginity at eight or whatever. But it has a profound psychological effect on how that boy, when he becomes a man, how he views girls and women. 
it is not a easy street. And the majority of guys who've been touched like that by an elder woman, they have a hard time formulating positive relationships with women. So it is not a good thing when we go around touting this. But for some odd reason, the United States knows this happens a lot. Our cities know this happens a lot. The women get a slap on the wrist. They get home. Um, they get arrested and have to put the ankle monitor on for a couple of weeks. They're right back out there. But if a guy does it, let a guy let, let a guy look like Brad Pitt and a 16 year old girl say, I want to sleep with him. Doesn't matter. He's an evil guy and he's got to go to jail for 50 years. And he's a, just a, a, a horrible person. That's why the teachers have no we don't hear much about it. Because, well, in the Catholic Church, it's priests, it's males. Oh, yeah, I hadn't but thought of that, of course. Yeah, it's a, it's a female thing. And this is the thing, too. Like, I mean, I I, uh, I was fortunate to go to sort of a, an all-male school for a little while when I was young. But I think, Tommy, like like you, like like most kids who are growing up these days, most boys, you know, you, you grow up. If you're in a single mother household, you're generally kind of at the low end of the economic spectrum, to put it as nicely as possible, which means mm-hmm. you're kind of around a whole bunch of other broken up families, you know, because the two parent households can kind of rise out of that welfare trap pretty easily or that low rent trap. So you have your mom as your authority figure, you go to daycare and who's running the daycares, who's in charge of the daycares? Well, it's the women in general, right? Then you go to school and, you know, 90% of the teachers of primary school are are women because they drive out the men by calling all men who want to work with children pedophiles, as you know, this yep. cliche, right? And so it might be you know, like your early teens, maybe mid-teens, until you finally come across a male authority figure, and then people try and sell you this crap called patriarchy. And it's like, wait a minute, why did I have mm-hmm. to wait till I was a decade and a half old before running into a male authority figure? If men run everything and control everything, it's just so bizarre. Yep. It, it, it's, it's sad on a lot of levels to where men are being raised like myself. I was raised around a house full of women, went to school being taught by nothing but women, and then got to be an adult and said that I run the world. And I don't remember running anything, saying that the patriarchy is bad. When I watch how bad um, the matriarchy was, because I grew up in it, I saw how dysfunctional a bunch of women can be in a household. You see how dysfunctional women can be now once they gave them the Me Too movement. What did they do with the Me Too movement? Every woman came out with a story. And then when it come to find out that they lied, nothing happens. Look at what our justice system does. We have this thing called perjury. Yet women are able to go and perjure themselves and say, this guy got me pregnant and he didn't. He's been paying child support for eight years. Come to find out it's not his. You're in a marriage. She gets pregnant by someone else. The courts say it doesn't matter. The fact that they even believe that we must find a man to pin this on when it comes to a child. So we'll give you money for the state, but we are going to find a man. And there's this guy in Chicago who's paying child support for a kid that that isn't his. And the judge told him it would not be fair that this kid doesn't have a father. So ordered that man to pay child support anyway for the best interest of the child. These are the problems. These are the things that I would wish some of these men would go out and protest about that. Uh, uh, tear down something about that because this is destroying America. This is destroying the world. Yet we won't do it because we've been taught to be docile as men by that matriarchy that many of us grew up in, especially people like you and I who grew up in single parent households, went to schools and seeing nothing but female authority figures. No matter how strong we got, we ended up being the elephant that was tied to a stake in the ground as little. We grew up real big. We're now four 
uh, 4,000 pounds, but we still won't pull that out. There are several men right now who still fear women simply because they've been raised to fear women. And the masculinity that's in them never gets to come out until they're around other men. And that's why you see so much violence in the black community, because the only time these black boys get an opportunity to even sharpen their teeth or swords or whatever you want to call it, be masculine, is when they go in the streets to fight each other. That's it. Sorry, I just uh, I've just been getting um, something in my earpiece here, Tommy. Women have called. We're not allowed to talk about this. Sorry, I just wanted to mention. Um, so uh, if everyone could just, you know, hold up that little uh, men in black pen for the last uh, great speech that Tommy gave, because we're totally not allowed to talk about this. So I just wanted to mention that. It's way easier to talk about George Floyd than it is to talk about single moms. I'm just getting that in my ear right now. So everybody has to please step away from the computer. Step back from the computer. Do not listen to Tommy. So, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about what does it mean, masculinity, like for, for guys raised, and single mom is just one aspect of it, right? But mm-hmm. what does it mean to be a man when you're raised by women? It's a fundamental. I mean, I spent a good deal of my 20s, you know, burning up years trying to sort out this question, mostly badly, mostly instinctively, and eventually came to a pretty good place. But what was it for you, what it was to be a man, to be raised by women? Because they really can't tell you much about it, except for the fact that they don't like men because they're a single mom. And so either they chose a good man and drove him away and won't take responsibility for that, or they chose a bad man and won't take responsibility for that either. So how did you, how did you wrestle your way through? I grew up thinking men were horrible, thinking my dad was horrible, thinking my mom was a victim of everybody else's uh, decisions, not her own. And I also grew up not knowing how to date women because I thought it was my job to be the kind of man that my mother didn't get lucky enough to pick. So I grew up a confused man. I grew up a man hating myself. I grew up a man overvaluing women, overvaluing women's presence in my life. Many men who come from the situation like you and I, we will end up latching on and and holding on to women and our worth to the world will be having a woman. And you see men like us killing themselves, doing all kinds of crazy stuff because a woman left us. But what we won't do is go out and say the job of a man is to build and create just like the field of dreams. Then a woman will come. See, you're not taught that way when you're raised by a woman. You're taught that way when you're raised by your father. You have a legacy to look up to. Who would I look up to if I saw my mom? Who would I look up and see? who I can follow in the footsteps. I had a person on my show by the name of T.S. Madison, and I didn't even know what the T.S. meant. I thought they were just trying to be like Tommy Sotomayor. I thought, okay, cool. <laughs> it wouldn't be. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a great guy. But I found out that T.S. meant transsexual, and it was a guy, but it was a guy who did porn, but he kept his member, and he would do porn with other, other guys and girls. But I had him on the show. And when he was talking, he said, you know why I act like this? And of course, he's like a big old mama, like a big mama guy. But he said, you know why I act like this? Because I wanted to grow up to be like my mama. And I just looked at my crowd and I said, see, he's admitting this thing that he wanted to be like his mother, that a lot of these boys want to be a man like their mom, a loud mouth, an irresponsible person. And the mm-hmm. difference between a woman going around and being like Michelle Obama, to take it back full circle, saying that there is no lid on anger. Well, a woman is allowed to slap Steph. Steph. 
Oh, we lost Tommy for a sec. I'm sure he'll be right back. He got a fight on his hands. Yeah. Problem is they don't realize it until it's too late. The George Floyds don't realize it until it's too late. A lot of these people don't realize that there are consequences that your mother didn't get because she's a woman. When you have a father, he's going to tell you your mouth and your actions can get you hurt. Because if I hit Shaq, nobody's going to say, Shaq, you too big for hitting him. You know what they're going to tell me? They're going to say, you knew he was that big. You shouldn't have put your hands on him. Yet we never tell women that. Well, and this is the thing, right? So uh, women, because they get so deferred to, because uh, we're addicted to women, and, which is a good thing. It's why why we got four billion years of evolution or whatever it is behind us. So, But we're addicted to women. And so what happens is, for single moms, they can kind of skate through life a lot of times, right? They'll, they'll get guys to sleep with them, usually not the highest quality guys. They'll get <laughs> guys to hang around. They'll get, you know, they'll be able to go and march and people will be like, oh, here you go. And, and they'll yell at the politicians who will be like, oh, here you go. Here's, here's some money. And then if they get into trouble, the judge will be like, oh, well, try not to do it again and, and all of that. And so they get this deferral, right? What they call the pussy pass, right? So they get this deferral mm -hmm. in life. And then... When I look at, you know, sort of to, to, to jump into Rayshard Brooks, right? I mean, this idea that there are going to be some serious consequences to what you do. Well, we as a society, due to white knighting, due to simping, due to being manginas, due, and due to some genuine, you know, care and concern for women and so on, we tend to shield women from the consequences of their own decisions, which, as you say, you, you, that doesn't happen to men. <laughs> And so if you're raised with this, I'm bulletproof, I've got the ultimate, you know, TNA uh, shield and armor, and it's like, then we all rush out, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, you, uh, it's like this old joke, uh, I remember telling this in one of my, um, uh, one of my uh, shows when I was in, in high school, you know, like there's the CN Towers, this big tall building, right, and um, this guy, uh, uh, is on top two guys are on top and one guy jumps off and he he kind of floats around flies around the wind takes him around and he comes back and he says to the guy man you should try this it's an amazing ride right and the guy says wow that looks fantastic and he jumps off the cn tower and you know just falls and leaves a big stain on the ground and uh, uh there's another guy there and, and he says man sometimes superman you can be a real asshole <laughs> because you know superman can fly so he could jump off right but uh, the same thing with women it's like we, we we're immune from consequences so we're going to raise our kids to have no real fear of consequences and then the man goes out into the big wide world and finds like hey man you don't have the pussy bus you shit out of luck my friend and you are going to face some horrible consequences whereas yeah i think that the the dads are like yeah you know it's it's a different world for us man yeah and that's what you see when you see a lot of these men the one common factor you see with these men being dealt with and seeing them on television and you'll see mama crying, sister crying, aunt crying, grandmama crying, but it'll be one person missing from each one of these people's lives. Like where was the father? Fathers is a prevention from jail. The numbers already show it. And again, you can go see all this stuff in my food, my movie, a fatherless America, go to a fatherless and pick it up. But you can see all these stats that are harming the black community. Yet, what do we talk about? What do the leftists want to talk about? Cops. It's not cops. By the time the cop has gotten your kid, your kid is too far gone. I don't care how racist the cop is. By the time a cop encounters your kid, the kid is too freaking far gone. Fathers in the house can prevent 
uh, cops from do- racist cops and everyone else from harming your kid. Fathers in the home. The numbers bear it. And yet we don't talk about it. And the sad part is we don't talk about it on the left or the right. So both sides refuse to talk about it. You better ask why. Well, and even something like ADHD, you know, ADHD symptoms for boys almost vanish completely when they're with their fathers. Yep. And uh, so, and and this is the thing too, like I was, so looking at these two, the two black men we've talked about, George Floyd, well, George Floyd, you know, his, he, 15 years, he hadn't seen his kids. His kids didn't even recognize him from the TV. They're like, oh, some black man got shot. And somebody had to say, actually, that was your dad because they hadn't seen the guy in, in 15 years. Now, he'd had more than well, one he family. He had multiple children. Yeah, yeah. He'd had, he'd had more kids, right? But this is a, I think his son and his daughter from the first go-round, uh, he hadn't seen them as far as I understand it in like 15 years. So, yeah, but he did have... No, I thought he only had the little girl. That no, ZB. no, he had a first round. Yeah, he had a first round. Rayshard Brooks, yeah. I mean, the guy beat his kids from what I've read uh, in, in his... Um, uh, in his uh, criminal complaints and his police records and so on. And this issue as well, you know, because uh, the, the abuse that uh, I was reading these studies about, like black girls saying that, you know, uh, as far as, uh, you know, being sexually assaulted, you know, 40 to 60% of them sexually assaulted by black men before they turn 18. And I've been trying to raise awareness about this for a long time. Can we at least talk about this? Yeah, let's talk about police brutality. But for heaven's sakes, can we also talk about stuff that society as a whole can't kind of rush in and fix, you know, like we can pass police reform, we can raise amount of money, or we can try and fix schools and so on. But what we can't do is is stop that. And and that is the single mom thing a lot of times, right? So kids are 30 times more likely to be abused if there's a non-biologically related male around, right? Dads yep. are the shield for this kind of stuff. I always think about like these creeps, these pedophiles and so on. First thing they look is they say, hey, is there a dad around? Because if there's a dad around, man, it's going to be pretty tough. And uh, there's going to be somebody really, really watching over those kids. And they talk, uh, about homes, they talk about homes that are burglarized. I think it's three times more likely when a man is not in the home. Right, right. Just something as simple as that. And ADT won't put that commercial up. But ADT will quickly tell you all criminals who break in houses are white. Have you ever looked at the ADT commercial and wonder what happened to the black burglar? <laughs> you can't be stereotyping, man. Come on. That's not right. I'm saying, but you're most more likely to be robbed by this person that you're going to now tell me I can't put on the commercial because I'm racist. Do you understand that we are we have white people doing things to their detriment? Like I'm going to say something that's, that's going to piss some people off. I planned on doing well, a video about time, it. man. <laughs> I'm going to say it to you. I think white people are stupid for, for racially mixing with black people. Go on. You, you and Muhammad Ali, right? Well, well, let me tell you why I think they're stupid, because they're creating their own genocide, not black genocide, because every time you create a mixed kid, apparently the mixed kid is black. And now when I'm looking at people like uh, Jesse, uh, Jesse Williams and and all of these uh, mixed or biracial people that are out there saying F white people, then why would a white person create one? Hmm. Seriously, your your offspring is going to hate you. Look at how many of the mixed people who are saying screw white people. Well, so Colin Kaepernick a- was raised by a white family, if I remember right. rightly, and uh, he, he doesn't seem to be a big fan of... of uh... The people who saved him. They saved his life. So I don't understand why any white person would mix with a black person when the white child or the mixed child is going to say they're black and to prove their blackness, they're going to go out of their way to say that I hate white people. That there's no way I would I would do this. 
There's no way as a white man, especially, I could create a kid that does not identify with me at all. I'm black. Wait a minute. I didn't have anything to do with this. Nope. I'm black. And I'm black. And I hate black people. I mean, white people. We need to get rid of uh, white people. White people owe us stuff. And you're like, what the hell? Hmm. Well, it's, you know, so, and the biracial kids as well. I've talked about this on Twitter. I mean, the biracial kids have... I mean, some, of course, are perfectly fine, but a lot of them are going to have a lot of identity issues. Where do I fit in? Uh, who, who are my people? And uh, they do have increased risk of psychological problems and so on. There is that challenge for sure. And, of course, this is the thing that really, really bothers me, Tommy. I mean, a lot of what we talk about bothers me, which is, you know, why we're talking about it. But what really bothers me, too, is that, okay, so you're, let's say, you're a white dad, married black woman, you have a biracial kid, and maybe that would be fine, except... There's so much of this racial tension and so much of this hate whitey stuff and so on that's going on that, like, I'd love to know how we could all get along without people constantly screaming in our ears that we have to hate each other. You know, it's like, I'd li- like if, if you're trying to do math and someone keeps screaming random numbers into your ear, guess what? You're going to suck at math. And it would be really nice to know how good you are at math without people screaming random numbers in your ear and screwing you up. Like, I'd love to know how well we could all get along if the media and Hollywood and all these other assholes weren't constantly uh, talking trash about everyone and getting us all to hate each other. Because that, to me, is the big problem. Big problem is not the racist, of course. The big problem is all the people who are saying, we can't get along. And all the people who are saying, oh, it's uh, uh, white people's fault, institutionalized racism, or all the people who say, oh, all the blacks do is just play the victim. That kind of stuff really drives me crazy. Because if we could have these kinds of conversations, I would love to know how well we could get along. And I'm pretty sure it would be, well, I know for sure it would be a whole lot better than today. Yeah, I think that's why people get mad when they see something like you and I talking. Hmm. I think a lot of people will identify with what they see. And then they will think, they're going to be at odds or when they see us at odds, they think it's going to be, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's going to be some, 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 some furniture. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's not because I think that people need to see not only more men talk, but more men speak in a manner in which they're not speaking like yelling and screaming at each other to where even when they disagree, because a lot of what's going on right now is people don't know how to disagree. Hmm. Uh, you think of um, and to just go back to to kind of bolster the point I was making a minute ago. I don't know if you know the guy, uh, Jussie Smollett. Oh, Jussie um, Smollett. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. the guy who got attacked by MAGA people in the middle of the night with a subway sandwich. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is biracial, but the first thing in his mind was to blame Whitey for doing something to the black guy. Think, just let that sink in. A mixed guy, a, a biracial guy who had good parents on both sides. He didn't have a bad experience with his white parent, but he knew the bell to ring. He knew how to get Pavlov's dog to come a running. I remember they tweeting about that guy saying, okay, so he identifies as black, he's Jewish, and he's gay. Let's <laughs> see where the real privilege is. <laughs> Because, you know, if there's white privilege, he should be saying, hey, man, I'm just white. You know, I'm white. Okay, you know, I got a little tan brother going on here. But I'm uh, – he should just be going straight to the white thing because that is um, uh, that is where the power is apparently. But, of course, the last thing that people want to do is identify as white these days because, uh, well, it's a little challenging. A little challenging. Yeah. Bullseye. 
All right, let's um, let's get a couple of questions before we close things off. A great a great chat. While we're just waiting for the questions, please remind people your YouTube channel and uh, you know what? Let's uh, just for my uh, my listeners as well. And if you want to join us too, let's set up a um, a watch party for Tommy's documentary, and uh, we will um, maybe have a conversation afterwards. Uh, I'd love to see what you've got, and I'm really really sorry because I make documentaries myself, and I'm really really sorry that I lost track of the work that you were doing, but. I'm all back on it now. I'd love to see it. And we'll we'll set up a, um, a watch party. Uh, we'll watch it and uh, maybe we can have a chat with you or just if you're not available ourselves afterwards because I'm sure it'll be really, really great. So um, A Fatherless America, was it? Yeah, A Fatherless America, just the way it said, just A Fatherless America. You can go to afatherlessamerica.com and you can, down, uh, you can rent it. You can buy it. You can also go to Amazon. Amazon rated it a 4.8 out of 5. So you can get your Blu-ray and your regular copy there as well. Also, IMDb rated it a eight. I think it's an eight point eight out of ten. And anybody who's ever made a documentary, man, just go watch it because they're really tough, really tough. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's. Um, uh, okay, I throw up a couple of questions here. Do you think Trump is going to be reelected at this point? Ooh, that's a tough one, but I think he is because. Um, I just want to check, test Joe Biden's theory, and I'm going to vote for Trump and see if I'm still going to remain black. I don't know. Threat, <laughs> like I don't, I don't know. He got me with that one, so I'm going to test the theory and see if I'm black. I just don't think that Biden is a viable ca- uh, candidate. I think this is where Trump was kind of weak, except for their candidate is weak. The Democrats have been doing that. They did it with the last election, and I think they did it here too. They put up a weak candidate. So um, if I was American, I would vote for Biden, you'd vote for Trump, and we'd just switch, like, completely. Uh, I'd become right. black, you'd become white. And, and, then, and then apparently we just argue the opposite sides of the George Floyd case, because that's just the way. Uh, yeah, that's the way it is. We got to argue from a black standpoint and yeah, a white yeah. standpoint. No, no facts, argue. only race. No facts, only race. Uh, <laughs> could you just remind people of your YouTube channel while we get the next question? Yes, just, uh, uh, if you guys want to find me on YouTube, just look up Tommy Sotomayor, and that's S-O-T-O-M-A-Y-O-R. You'll see one that says Random Randomness. You'll see one with the news because they got me jumping around playing hopscotch because, you know, I'm always getting flagged. So I got like 39,000 channels, but the best place to find me is on my website and that you can just Google Tommy Sotomayor and the website is the first thing that comes up. Now, um, we have a fellow, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, Hispanic name who wants to know I can't find the comment here I'll see if I can dig it up but he wants to know how do you deal with female anger oh. in, in three words, words or less <laughs> just kidding in the, great words of, in the words of the great uh, I think is uh, is it Bette Mittler from a distance <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> I deal with it from a distance. I try my best. Look, I don't I don't like having a bunch of people around, especially a bunch of women. I don't. I got to have a ratio of women. Just like if you live in a neighborhood, you got to have a ratio of blacks. I look at it like a chocolate chip cookie. You put too many chocolate chips in the cookie, sometimes because it's too much chocolate. You got to have the right balance. You got to have the <laughs> right gonna balance. You're going to work vanilla in here somewhere, right? Yeah, I got. I, it's, it's too much. I, I threw a party at my house and there was too many black folks. I told the rest of them, stay out. We got to bring, I had to call some white people. 
Gotta bring them in. I want to make sure that my house don't get tore down, and I want to make sure it's gonna be somebody left to help clean it up. But I'm, but, but to 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 get back to being serious though, I just look at women as it's difficult to deal with their anger because their anger is entitled in 2020. So you're gonna find yourself in a bind where you can't even defend yourself. So sometimes you might want to find yourself around a honey badger. And for those who go around YouTube, you know who I'm talking about. You might want to find a woman that's already red pill. Do you, um, what are the, what is the attitude of, I must say, the black community, again, like it's a big blob, but um, given that there's a lot of blacks who vote for Democrats and a lot of blacks who are Christians, of course, is there a fear or concern in the black community that you know of about Marxists using the Democrats to destroy the republic? Yeah, I think there is a, a push to destroy America and its freedoms right now. And they're trying to create as many bureaucracies. I think that the left wants as many people dependent upon the government as they can. That's why they're always tearing things down and offering you the government, offering you the government to come in and help. And what they're doing right now, people don't see it. This whole race war is going to bring mom into the fight because what's happening is the brother and sister are fighting and mom hears the screaming and guess who's going to come and shut it all down? Mom, mom, this time martial law. There's going to this is being called upon. This is being done on purpose because the, the people who make the most out of the system, the leftists, the people who get the most out of the system is the people who make sure that the people are dependent upon the system. That is the first wave of why they are getting rid of fathers, because you get rid of fathers. The dad becomes the government. Hmm. And you see what happens in the, in the black communities, especially when they're one day late. And these things have been done on purpose. This wasn't like, oh, they really were late. They were late a couple of days to see how dependent these mothers were on welfare. And they saw them out in the streets begging, where my check at? Where my check? They realized that these people are that dependent. Oh, it's brutal. Yeah. I mean, I've always said that uh, Antifa are the son of single moms who are out there because the government's running out of money to make sure that mommy continues to get her government cheese. All right. Uh, what's Oatmeal Guy says, what does Tommy think of tech censorship? I guess, what has your experience been with that? Mine has been horrible. I've, uh, I can't start a GoFundMe. I can't do a Kickstarter. I can't do anything. They literally get it flagged down within minutes. Uh, it's, it's amazing how, uh, we live in a society and it was just the, the, the small snowball that got dropped on the top of, uh, Mount Everest, uh, when they started doing it to me. And now what you have is complete cities being shut down at the whim of the people who do nothing. Yeah. Mitt Romney, right. Yet we don't want to acknowledge the majority of Americans do nothing to help America. You're both so interesting, says Funk Nuts, uh, that YouTube considers you, considers you dangerous. Keep it up. Um, uh, keep it up. I pre appreciate that. Um, somebody wants to know what the reason was that you left Atlanta? Oh, I'm back in Atlanta. I left Atlanta the first time I went out west and ended up loving it when I went out there. I was, I'm from Atlanta, and I went out west just on a whim and just drove out there. And found that I had some celebrity and I ended up staying out there because I enjoyed it with getting work. Uh, I was casting a couple of movies uh, and I liked the weather. I never I'm used to seeing grass and trees. So when I went out there, I saw desert for the first time and, mm. and, and ocean and stuff like that. And I enjoyed it. So I ended up staying in Phoenix and I moved back to Atlanta as my daughter was entering high school because I want to be here for her when she graduates. And then I'm going to go back west when she graduates in four years. Speaking of the honey badgers. 
they ask what made Tommy study the material for his documentary. What, what uh, hey. I guess, what was the backstory for that? Honey badges in the house. Um, I want to thank her. First off, she uh, had me up in Chicago. I had a wonderful time up there. And what started me to doing it was when I looked at my own life, I looked at a lot of the decisions that I made. And then I went to this thing called jail. This is a weird place where they put you in this thing for 24 hours, 24 hours and 23 of them. You're locked in there. So where anyway, while I was there, I, uh, I was only there for like a week. But while I was talking to a lot of guys who were there and I noticed one thing, the majority of those men who were there talked about one, they had no father hmm. and two, their messed up relationships from women. So it wasn't they weren't talking about race when they were in jail. Oddly enough, they kept talking about how women, mothers and girlfriends had ruined their lives or set them up and be put in there. Something we don't talk about. Right. Brian Banks, he went to jail. Movie came out. Nobody wanted to see it. This man was arrested for something he didn't do. And nothing happened to the woman who got paid $1.3 million after lying on him. There's no outrage. There's no, and this happens more than cops killing someone. There's still no outrage. Nobody wants to tear anything down. Nobody wants to burn anything. So I said, you know what? I'm going to be the person to burn something. I'm going to burn it by putting a spotlight on it. And I'm going to talk about it. And that's why whenever you're talking to me, no matter what we're talking about, we can be talking about peanut butter and jelly. I'm going to bring it back to women. <laughs> All right. What are your thoughts here? Um, this, of course, you've heard of uh, why put up with rabid women, butthurt, hashtag MGTOW. Uh, what are your thoughts on the men going their own way or avoiding getting into relationships with women at the moment? I think it's a good thing that uh, the guys who are getting uh, vasectomies, things like that, men are opting out of marriage completely. I talked about that in the movie where men are saying that there's no reason for me to get married. Uh, I had a, a video a long time ago went viral. And I said marriage is for broke men. If you broke, go ahead and get married. I think all broke men should get married. I cheered with what happened to Adele. Good job, fella. Hmm. And if you notice, the women got mad when anytime a man wins the the money, they, well, they're upset at him. Hmm. He, he he should be a man and not take that money. He should be a man and let her have custody of the kid. All of these things are just ugh. so MGTOW. Yeah, I understand it. And I think if men could actually go their own way and instead of going their own way, how about this? Let's see. Not MGTOW. M-S-F-O-M. Men stand up for other men. Hmm. Stand up for other men. We watch men get railroaded and we say nothing about it. We watch a man have to pay $30,000 a month of child support and we laugh and giggle. Do you understand that there's a cap on uh, medical uh, malpractice, but there's not a cap on um, child support? You make it, they can take it. That's insane. We men laugh when I'm... Uh, it's so bad that when the commercials come on, they always show a man get hit in the balls by a football or kicked by somebody. We laugh at it. Well, why can't we laugh at a woman getting kicked between her legs? Where's the joke about a woman getting kicked in the breast? None of this is funny. Come on, man. So when women are asking for equality, it seems like, no, they're asking for superiority. So I won't stand by it. And I agree with the MGTOW guys, but MGTOW need to change it and say, why don't we support each other? Women support each other. Men don't. That's why we're losing. Right, right. Okay, let's close off with this. Um, I'll let you get the last bit in here. Uh, New York Street Records asks, is Trump doing a good job? And also, what is your opinion on Candace Owens? Ooh, Trump is not doing a good job right now because he's not being very presidential. Although we didn't hire a president, 
he should understand that there's a time where you just have to play the role. You're CEO of the company. You got to play the role. And he's not doing it in, in a lot of spaces. As far as just the way America's being run, though, I'm satisfied with the way America's being run. So that's why I would vote for him again. It's just the way he's handling a lot of issues. He's more um, antagonistic to me when he shouldn't be. And as far as Candace Owens, I think Candace Owens is okay, except for sometimes I just think Candace Owens jumps on a side to be jumping on a side. Like when she jumped on the video and I don't know what you've been doing lately about this, but when she did the whole um, George Floyd is a bad guy, I thought that was unnecessary because let's deal with what happened to him. Cause I would hate for someone to look at me for them to say he deserved it because he makes YouTube videos that we don't like. And if you notice as a man, many people turn their backs on us because we said something they didn't like. We did something they didn't like. We had something that happened in our past. I mean, hell, we wouldn't have an Iron Man if we went by the fact that our DJ was a, a, a drug addict. There's a lot of things we right now we wouldn't have somebody trying to sell us Atkins bars if we if we got mad at Rob Lowe for sleeping with a 13 year old a long time ago. People might have forgotten about that, but I didn't. I pay his attention. So we might need to stop throwing out people by saying this happened. So hence they're not human. Hence they didn't deserve it because right now we have a lot of people in American prisons who are being mistreated in these prisons, but because the people who are outside of the walls say those are men, they're there for a reason. It doesn't matter what happens to them. These people are living in horrible conditions and now they've um, monetized it to where the more people they fit in those beds, the more that they build and the more Americans they arrest. That's what we need to find out a, a, a solution for. There are way too many people in the United States that are in jail instead of in college, in better schools. That's why I would want to keep my focus. Yeah, and I, I certainly don't want to speak for Candace. I think that she was trying to push back against the the saint, the beloved bouncer, that kind of stuff. Uh, and of course, yeah, the fact that he had a criminal history in no way means that anything that happened to him was justified. And uh, I think we really, really do want to remind, right? You paid your debt, you're out, then you should be, of course, accorded the same um, rights and respect as, as everyone else, right? So that's really, really great. Okay. Well, I agree with you. Yeah, I go just ahead. Gonna, two seconds. I agree with you and her on that. They made him into like Jesus. There's a, like like the, the, all those funerals and stuff. That's insane. Like to me, if you want to make me not like him, do all of that stuff. Go too far. It's one thing to give me the girl with Down syndrome. Uh, let her wear the tiara, and she she's the uh, homecoming queen. Don't now tell me I, I I have to date her, and we gotta do all kinds of stuff. And she's now three years later. We're still throwing parades and saying every girl need to look like this. Now you're gonna make me dislike that person because you're overblowing it. And what'll happen is a lot of people are starting to dislike George Floyd not because of anything that's been said about him in his past but about why they are deifying him now. Yep. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's too far. And I mean, but the left always goes too far and the right doesn't go far enough. All right. Well, <laughs> for me, so thanks. Uh, AFatherlessAmerica.com. Um, we'll, um, yeah, just uh, let me know in the comments when a good time is. Uh, I, I love me a good documentary and I'm sure Tommy's is great. So we'll set up a watch party for that. But we'll invite you back there for that, Tommy, if you can join us. And a real great pleasure to chat with you. I'm sorry it's been so long. Let's not, of course, leave it so long again next time. But um, a really, really great 
chat uh, and uh, stay safe and uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's uh, I really strongly recommend uh, uh, Tommy's uh, shows for reasons that I can't possibly speak about without getting banned. But uh, you can watch <laughs> it because he's got privilege. All right. <laughs> Thanks, man. Talk to you All soon. Right. Bye. Thank you so much, Steph.